to the Your Field is Our Office Agronomy Podcast. I'm field agronomist for South Central Minnesota, Jay Zilski, and joining me today is Ashley Storby. Well, Ashley, we're finally doing this. We're actually taking a leap of faith and launching ourselves in the world of podcasting. I, I don't know about you. I'm kind of excited about this. Jay, I'm so excited. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, our, uh, our goal of these podcasts uh, is to discuss relevant and timely topics that might impact you and your, your farm. And so each episode will try to focus on one or two key topics and, and often we'll maybe include a, a guest with inside knowledge of, of the particular topic of, of the week. And uh, certainly we, uh, we welcome any suggestions as far as uh, topic or topics or show content. And uh, we're also, uh, as I said, we're going to try to in include a guest every week. This week, being our, our maiden voyage, we maybe weren't quite organized enough to uh, have a guest. So folks are just going to have to deal with the two of us. Uh, but today's topic is uh, sudden death syndrome in soybeans. And although the season's still, say, 60 days away or so, it's never too late to uh, start planning. And uh, so, Ashley, I know you've had some experiences uh, with SDS the last few years. And kind of what have you been seeing in, in, in general? So this last year, when we look back to 2021, this was a, a really light year for SDS, as we would have expected. We, we put, our, put our soybeans in the ground in pretty, pretty dry conditions. And they were cool. Um, so they we had half of what we needed to have the optimal conditions for sudden death syndrome, but we didn't have the, the moisture that led to those infections early season to see that show up in the canopy later in the season. Um, looking back to 2020, 2019, 2018, and throughout our area in Southern Minnesota, SDS was a yield limiting factor in, in fields prone to SDS with a, with a history of SDS. Um, but I, I'm pretty encouraged with what we have in the toolbox in terms of management. We know it's in our area, um, but, but it's, a, it's a, a disease that we can manage. Right, exactly. And I, I've tended to see S, SDS kind of ratcheting itself up over the years. And, and we'll get into that in a little more detail in, in just a minute here. But uh, before we get started uh, with the body of the discussion uh, on SDS, I came across something I thought uh, might be interesting to uh, to listeners, I sure found it was interesting, and it was a piece from uh, NOAA, so the National Oceanic and Admis Atmospheric Administration. It's easy for me to say. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, they published their seasonal drought outlook for a period from January 20th through April 30th. So we know how this long-range forecasting can be. You got to take it with a grain of salt. But you know, those of us that were around for the big drought in 1988. You know, one of the things that I've heard uh, some share over the last few months is, you know, 1987 was a kind of a lot like 2021 was where it was kind of dry. We had a surprisingly good crop. And then the following year, the other shoe dropped and we had quite the drought in 1988. Uh, but the good news is, according to the drought monitor, is that our area, South Central Minnesota, is an area where drought removal is, is likely. So it, it's not a guarantee, but at least it says it's likely. We'll guess, uh, we'll see how that plays out here. But I think, you know, Ashley, tying into our, our topic of conversation here as far as SDS, you know, kind of like you said, you know, a year ago, we had a little bit of a reprieve, whether it be SDS or white mold. 
you know, it was one of the blessings of some of those dry weather conditions. But now if we look at that, that uh, drought monitor information, a return to more normal weather conditions where maybe rainfall is going to be a little more predictable, you know, then that's going to probably increase the potential risk for uh, sudden death syndrome in, in soybeans, uh, Ashley. And, and so let's talk about that. Maybe, maybe you can share a little bit of your thoughts as far as uh, environmental conditions, soil conditions that potentially set the stage for uh, sudden death syndrome. Yeah, thanks, Jay. So looking, thinking about that forecast, if we do indeed get a, a reprieve from the drought conditions that we've had and we, we see some soil moisture, additional soil moisture coming into planting this year, we'll want to be mindful of those fields with a history of SDS and, and our management practices to control SDS. And the, thing, the things that we control, you know, variety selection, seed treatment, planting timeframes. So Jay, to your question, thinking about soil conditions, if you have a field that you know you've battled sudden death syndrome on, that's a, a, a good field to set to a little later in the planting season so that we know that that seed is laying in the ground not, a, not as long of a, of a time as we enter into a, a warming trend going into the spring. So our early planted soybean fields, they tend to lay in the soil a little longer. That soil is a little cooler. It takes them longer to germinate. And that gives a longer time period for that infection to happen and then show up later in the season as a, as a yield limiting disease. Um, if, we, if we know we're going to be planting early and we, we know we're in fields that we have a history of sudden death syndrome, a, a, an Olivo, um, an SDS rate of an Olivo seed treatment is a really good investment to make. Um, and then of course we need to look at our variety tolerance as well. What are your thoughts, Jay? Well, Ashley, it's, it's, it's an excellent point. I think one of the things that, that maybe surprises a lot of people is we talk about those conditions shortly after planting kind of sets the stage. I think oftentimes that surprises me a lot of farmers because they really don't see the symptomology show up till the latter part of the growing season, until we get into seed and, and pod fill, then then you really see the, the symptoms manifest themselves. And so, you know, it comes back to the fact that that in, initial infection occurs early in the season. And then the disease is, is, is there present in the plant and then really it manifests itself with the above ground symptoms uh, as we get into uh, say typically very end of July or, or early August, Ashley. And so, you know, you're right. A lot of those, those compacted areas, those, those heavy soils, those kind of things. Yeah. You know, I, I, you triggered a thought for me. I, I'd like to take us back to um, not quite a year ago, maybe a little, a little over a year ago where we were, we were March of 2021. And at that time we, we knew we had dry soil conditions and we were, we had heat in the forecast. It looks like we were going to break loose and, and have early planting conditions. But then simultaneously, soybean prices were elevating and we were paying more attention to that soybean crop. And so what one change that we saw in our area broadly was there was more usage of our Olivo seed treatment. There was more Olivo put on soybeans um, at SDS, the SDS rate, the full rate or the CIS rate. So we had a lot of Olivo in the field to get to look at this last year. And we know that's one of our, our big tools in our toolbox to manage SDS. So maybe we should, 
we should dive into what to expect from an Olivo seed treatment a little bit. Absolutely, Ashley. And, you know, it, it, it's interesting because if you look at some of our uh, research data within Pioneer shows a, a range of results anywhere uh, historically across uh, a lot of locations, uh, anywhere from a two to a 6.4 bushel per acre advantage to the use of Olivo. And, and that's kind of a wide range. But again, that's going to depend on a particular field situation, the magnitude of uh, SDS pressure that you happen to have in the field, and then the, and then the variety. And so, you know, that that's kind of a, a guideline. It kind of shows you where the ditches are, so to speak. But we'll see some environments where that response is even greater and maybe somewhat less. And you know, the thing that I think is interesting, Ashley, I don't know what you saw last year. Uh, you said there was increased use in, in Olivo, dry, you know, cool, but it ended up turning out dry. And yet you saw some impressive results where Olivo was used um, in some of those fields of history of SDS. We did. Um, I'm thinking of one in particular. In fact, I, I have the data in front of me. Um, and and before we we share that, we don't have a whole lot of side-by-side -side data um, in, in the field from my area this year because so, so many of, of those applications are made from a blanket perspective. The whole field gets a leave, the whole field gets fungicide and insecticide. And it's hard to tease out some of those differences when we don't leave checks. Um, so that's something to think about if you're if you're new to a seed treatment, new to a levo, uh, try to try to throw in a, a few bags that you can keep track of that don't have that Olivo application if you want to measure that on your farm and see what that, that actual result is on your farm. So here looking at thinking about a farm, um, this this was actually near New Richland, uh, New Richland, Minnesota. And we had a, a field of soybeans that half of the field uh, received the seed treatment was fungicide, insecticide, and Olivo at the SDS rate, which is the larger rate. The full rate. And then the other half of the field was just fungicide and insecticide. And we have both yield monitor data and waywagon data on that field. We like the, the waywagon data is, is very um, reliable. Um, and, and so I, I have that here. Um, the waywagon showed us in the area, and these are big numbers, so we won't have to dive into that a little bit, but the area that um, only had fungicide insecticide. 72.9 bushels. Uh, we had some really good beans in that area this last year. Um, and then the area that had a Levo treatment was 80 bushels. So that's a 7.1 bushel difference. That's like Jay mentioned, that's not, that doesn't represent necessarily the average, but um, so we learned something about that field, that environment specifically with that result, knowing we didn't have SDS present last year, but what is the other pathogen? That Olivo protects us from soybean cyst nematode. Uh, so we know we know we've had um, we've had challenges with soybean cyst nematode in our area in the past. We know that that the pest is reproducing on on our varieties with with PI eighty eight seven eighty eight source of resistance. Um, so it, it's really nice to see. It, it's almost playing the odds if if we have a wet year or wet planting season, we expect to get benefit from our Olivo application from the, the SDS protection. And if we have a dry year, 
we can receive, we, we know that soybean cyst nematode is more damaging in a dry year, which is probably some of what we're seeing from this yield result in New Richland. Um, we're playing both sides of the coin. So if, if like Jay says, if we pull out of that drought from the NOAA predictions, then you know we, we, we get benefit from both ways, no matter how it shakes out from a, a season perspective this year. And I think that's an important point, Ashley. There, there is a, to make to that distinction as far as the role that uh, soybean cyst nematode plays with with SDS. And I think that's one of the things that I have seen is is going back a number of years. Uh, really, uh, Ashley, as long ago as the very late '90s or early 2000s, the pathologist of state of Minnesota could find the pathogen present. They, they, they could find um, the Fusarium virgiliform, which is the which is the pathogen. They could find it in the soil, but we really weren't having uh, the SDS show up. And, and my suspicion is, is that what happened is that over time, soybean cyst nematode populations continued to rise. And what happens is, is that the soybean cyst nematode in, in feeding into the root it provides just it damages that root. It's just a very small pinprick, so to speak, that allows the pathogen to enter into the soybean plant. And so there is this this correlation between SCN and uh, sudden death syndrome uh, that I, I think what we're finding over time, especially as people have been using, uh, say, the eight eight seven eight eight source of resistance year after year, we're seeing. Uh, despite the use of that, those resistant varieties that we're seeing shifts in the population, populations of nematodes are on the rise. And with that, then we're seeing, you know, ratcheting up of SDS pressure in fields. And so, you know, I, I think my, my point in, in this is, is even for those that maybe have not seen real obvious signs of SDS on their farm, that they ought to, at the very least, consider uh, investing in some allevo to perhaps make a side-by-side -side on, a, on a given variety. And I, I like uh, the example you gave, Ashley, was it was the insecticide fungicide seed treatment compared to the insecticide fungicide seed treatment plus allevo. So we really are then having an opportunity to see the value of allevo alone, and we're not comparing allevo plus all the other components of that seed treatment compared to untreated seed. So if a person's going to lay out a side-by-side, -side, that's the way to do it, Ashley. Oh, absolutely. That's really good coaching. That I, I think uh, as an agronomist, maybe that's one of my, my, biggest, um, my biggest hopes or, or things that I, I, I look forward to at the beginning of the season is I, I hope that we test these things. Um, you know, we, we do our best to test our hybrids and our soybean varieties, but I, I, I love to see our customers setting up tests on their own farm because that's that's the best. Uh, that's the best data for them because you're seeing exactly what's happening in your own environment. And it really is a big deal. Like this field in New Richland, what we learned, we we didn't pull a, a cyst sample to get a, a, an egg count, but you would suspect that we must have pretty high cyst levels. And that that's something that would be a good follow-up uh, to ground truth in that field. One of, I ran across an interesting article, actually it was just this, this morning, and I, I, was, I was cruising through looking at, um, see if there's anything new on, on sudden death or cyst that I, I might want to refresh my memory on or, or something. And, and I ran across some, 
a, a quote from Greg Tilka is a plant pathologist at Iowa State, and he was he was being interviewed about um, soybean cyst nematode um, presence in throughout Iowa and some work that he had done in 2020. And we remember 2020 for us was um, it was a it was a little drier, but it, it wasn't it wasn't like 2021. Whereas in 2020 in Iowa in the far northwest corner particularly they were quite dry. It, it was, it was a, a yield limiting lack of moisture in their area. And Greg, uh, he mentioned that he had testing sites throughout Iowa looking at soybean cyst nematode reproduction. Um, and that he found uh, in, the, in the drier areas of the state, the reproduction was very, the soybean cyst nematode really um, enjoyed those conditions. They had greater numbers of reproduction, which you know, I had I had associated soybean cyst nematode populations being higher in sandier, uh, drier, you know, coarser soils, and I guess I hadn't made the connection that that they enjoy the the dryness of that environment. So that was really interesting to me and made me think about, well, shoot, we've had we had really dry conditions, you know, abnormally dry conditions throughout our area in 2021. Is that setting us up for knowing that those soybean cyst nematode populations are higher? Is that setting us up for more cyst pressure going into this next year? I would presume the answer is yes. Yeah. Certainly. And, and, and then so just increased risk of again some some damage to those yeah. to those to those roots from the uh, from the nematodes as well, providing a site of entry for the uh, pathogen. cell. Uh, Ashley, you know, just I had one quick field observation from this year and then perhaps maybe you can wrap it up with about three points as far as management and such and in uh and then we'll we'll turn folks on their way but uh i had a situation this year uh, where uh grower planted a uh, a split planter in a similar situation to ashley's described where half of the planter had uh the uh the fungicide insecticide seed treatment and the other side of the planter had the fungicide insecticide seed treatment plus a levo at the um, SDS rate. And uh, I flew that field with my drone in, in August and it was amazing. You could pick up those strips out there uh, plain as day. And, and unlike your situation, Ashley, we, we did not have uh, a way wagon out there to check it, but this is based on the yield monitor but that was a consistent across the board, uh, four bushel per acre uh, advantage to the uh, seed treated with the Levo compared to that standard seed treatment uh, check. And, and this was on a variety that tends to have a, a lower score for, for SDS. And so as we look at trying to manage, that's, that's something to keep in mind as well, is that normally you wouldn't want to plant a variety with a low score for SDS on a field with a known problem of it. So Ashley, maybe kind of share some of your pointers as we kind of wrap things up here. Absolutely. Okay, so, so key takeaways, SDS management going into 2022, number one variety selection. Know that the SDS tolerance of your variety, you may have a variety that you really wanna plant on your farm that brings you everything that you want, except for maybe it's a little light on SDS tolerance. Find a farm that you know hasn't had a history of SDS uh, challenges, maybe a field that you know you're going to plant on the latter end of the, the planting season, ensuring that it's going to be sitting in cool wet soils uh, less, of, less of a time than your earliest planting fields. Uh, consider, consider a seed treatment like a Levo. 
you have two options with Aligo. You can use the SCN rate, which is a half rate, and that would be a, a good partner with a variety that um, is a PI88 source of cyst resistance that you know is going on a field with a history of, of cyst challenges. Um, or you can run the full uh, Alivo SDS rate, giving you that additional SDS protection with the SCN protection. Um, also think about your planting date. The, the earlier we plant, if, if we get a, a, a planting window second, third week of April, um, know that we may end up sitting cool and wet, you know, pay attention to the, the, the subsequent forecast because that's when that infection happens. And we really want to look at what those conditions are going to be in the, in the subsequent week or two after planting. And finally, any way that we can mitigate stress helps our plants endure that SDS infection, even once it is there, um, thinking about whatever stress you can mitigate in season or just in your long-term range good fertility, uh, balanced pH, um, mitigating compaction issues, any, any stress you can move out of the way. Um, Jay, any closing words from you? Well, Ashley, you know, anytime we talk about these management considerations and it's going to cost a farmer some money, uh, I always say it's easy for me to spend a uh, farmer's money. And, and yet, if we look at this situation here, you know, the reality is if a person is going to be looking at using the Olivo uh, in addition to a fungicide, insecticide seed treatment, you know, we're probably looking at somewhere between $12 or $13 of additional cost for that Olivo seed treatment. Uh, you heard the numbers that we shared as far as what we've seen in fields where there's a known history of, of, of SDS. And, you know, you look at the current commodity market the way it is, if ever there were a time for you, if you want to try prove it on your own farm, if there is ever a time for you to try a split planter on your farm to see results on your own, heck, this is the time to do it because the value of the crop is going to more than offset based on our research. The, uh, the cost of that Alivo seed treatment really encourage people to, uh, uh, to take a look at doing it. I know I was visiting last night with one of my sales reps. Uh, he happens to be in uh, the area to Waterville to Wasika area there. And he had one of his customers that based on his experience this past year, in, in a year where maybe SDS really wasn't all that prevalent, about, every acre of his is going to have that Alivo seed treatment on it. So Ashley, I'll, I'll pitch it back for you, to you to uh, close things out for this episode number one. Oh, Jay, this was a wonderful chat. I, I appreciate your time um, and, and we'll talk with you all next time.